Well, hey guys, welcome to a very special edition of These Are the Voyages podcast. Per the use, I'm the captain. I'm Captain Chase McKinney, and happy first contact day, everyone. Uh, April the 5th. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. We're only, you know, 43 years away from it actually happening, but that doesn't mean we can't party now. And uh, to kind of party and celebrate and talk about first contact stuff, I've asked all of you to, you know, say some stuff. I've interviewed some of you in the past and, you know, had some, some things here and there come in. And with that, we are going to, you know, have this show be an opportunity to kind of hear from other people about what Star Trek means to them. Uh, and what first contact means as well, as well as perhaps a couple of selections of, you know, memorable or favorite type of uh, first contact interactions with, uh, with the different alien races and the actual first contact that takes place in the movie first contact. So uh, as many of you know, or might know, uh, if you've been listening for um, a little while, uh, First Contact is personally my absolute favorite Star Trek movie and probably one of my favorite movies, period. And today is a perfect opportunity for you to go check it out and listen. Now, if you've been watching Star Trek Picard, and most of us have been, you, you probably still have, or maybe you still have, I don't know, your CBS All Access subscription. So what I would encourage you to do is if you already have a subscription to that, just go ahead and go in there, search up Star Trek. And there are, like, I think all the Star Trek television series and and a handful uh, of the Star Trek movies, of which is Star Trek First Contact. So, one thing that I do to celebrate First Contact every single year um, is to put the DVD in, in my player and to watch it and just enjoy it. So if you don't have the DVD, you don't have it on Blu-ray, uh, you don't even have it on VHS, because truth be told, I started watching it on VHS a long, long time ago, just go on to CBS All Access. And of course, you can buy it on other streaming platforms, um, such as Amazon and things like that, um, or other places that you might know that I don't know about. So I'd highly encourage you to check that out and go from there and watch it. Now, we're going to be hearing uh, from some people, like I said, to kind of get some of their impressions on Star Trek. And I really hope you guys enjoy this. This special episode of These Are the Voyages. Uh, right now, I have, you know, our our head of, of uh, security for the station, good old Commander Lisa, here hanging out with me as uh, she talks about Trek and talks about First Contact. So welcome back, Commander Lisa. Hey, Chase. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm happy to come aboard. And uh, yeah, I'm excited about First Contact Day. This is this is great. Totally, totally. Now, you know, here's the thing that's cool about First Contact Day, among other things. It's 43 years from now. Okay, I already said that. But it's the fact that we all survive, you know, that, that humanity survives for at least another 43 years for that first warp flight. So hopefully that's some form of hope and optimism that we're going to get past this pandemic that we're currently living in. 
yeah, I mean, I could I could use a light at the end of the tunnel at this point. <laughs> hopefully, the light at the end of the tunnel isn't just at forty three years. <laughs> hopefully, yeah, that's 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 another good point. <laughs> <laughs> hopefully, it's sooner than that. But you know, we'll we'll take what we can get, right? Mm-hmm. So, how have you been uh, before we we celebrate and stuff? How have you been? Oh, you know, hanging in there. Uh, have a lot of little uh, projects I'm working on and. Uh, filling my day with stuff. I got some good advice to help me get through each day. It's, you know, come up with five things to do per day. Write them down and accomplish them. And that has really helped, you know, keep me busy. Um, Nick and I are both home now. So we're both kind of coming up with our own little projects. And I found that we're doing a lot of different things that we normally would not have done had this not happened. So obviously I don't want a, a pandemic as my inspiration or drive to do something new but it is a happy accident that happened at the same time truly yeah yeah people are are finding opportunities to try new things or you know connect more with people in different ways so i mean it's it's a it's a mixed it's a mixed bag but Mm -hmm. hey whatever right yep (laughs) how about you have you been I've, I'm all right. Just uh, just staying busy. Um, you probably know this, and I think some of the, the listeners know this, but you know, working in mental health, I've seen a a little bit of a surge uh, with yeah. people wanting some some extra help and someone to talk to. So uh, my life has been a little hectic uh, trying to keep up with things, but it's it's a wonderful problem to have at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're luckier that you're in a field, too, that is so needed and you can uh, work safely, you know, from home. Yeah, I mean, I've been working from home since September, so oh, wow. it kind of it kind of works works out well. I mean, most of my practice is is telehealth. So. Uh, so, yeah, I've kind of been able to to sharpen that a little bit um, over the last whatever it's been four or five, six months thereabouts. So, anyway, here we are. Yep, here we are. So, <laughs> by the way, I know this is not related to Star Trek, but um, you and I, we were supposed to meet up at um, a local convention a couple I weeks know. back. Oh, gosh. I thought about that the other day. And I got this sweet suitcase for you, man. I know. When this is over, I want that suitcase. <laughs> <laughs> So, for anyone listening, Commander Lisa does a fantastic Newt Scamander cosplay, and um, like she even does like the little mating walk. If you've ever <laughs> ever want to see someone reenact it, she does a great mating walk with a was it the um, is that a, a rumpament or a rumpant? Is that what's called? Oh my called? gosh, I cannot remember the name. Isn't that terrible? Even though I cosplay, it's, there's a lot of different okay. beast names. <laughs> there are between two movies so far, there are a lot of beasts. Uh, but yes. anyway, she does a fantastic newt, and um, I found I was just chilling at a, a thrift store one day in Dallas, uh, in between an appointment, and I found it. And yeah, I'm like all right, so awesome. here we go. So you could even probably tweak it, like either you or, or Nick could probably tweak it to have like, you know, like the buttons say like Muggle worthy or or whatever yeah. it says. I need to do that. That would so. be so cool. Well, there we go. There we go. Well, thank you for snack snatching that up. That's awesome. My pleasure snacking it up. I love to snack and <laughs> snatch. <laughs> there you go. 
So, um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> wow, we're, we're off the rails. It's great. Um, <laughs> snacking it up. I have been snacking, snacking it, it up, up, honestly. <laughs> me too. I've been snacking it up with some pistachios. I love me some pistachios. Yum. Mm-hmm. So we've had you on before. That is not anything new. Uh, we've had you on before to talk about Deep Space Nine, the Deep Space Nine documentary. And uh, just for a few minutes um, today, I just want to talk to you, um, like I said at the beginning of the show, about Star Trek. Just what's it mean to you? What do you like about it? And uh, which we've, in a way, we've talked about in the past. Um, so I guess let's just kind of start there and then we'll eventually get to some other stuff. So there we go. Okay. Well, um, you know, I've liked Star Trek, enjoyed Star Trek since I was uh, probably a, a teenager, I would say, maybe 12 or 13 was when I went to my first Star Trek convention. And I guess what it means to me is um, I, I tend to be, I don't want to say I'm a negative person, uh, but I think my, my thoughts sort of trend that way. Like I can kind of get down easily and, you know, fear the worst. I'm kind of a worrier. And I think I like Star Trek because it projects such a positive future um, in a way that other science fiction doesn't tend to because I feel like we all as a society are like oh things are gonna they're gonna end bad <laughs> so uh, you know Star Trek is like the opposite of that it's very optimistic and um, I like the idea that everyone works together so well and you know many different cultures and species and yeah so I guess that's what it means to me just a, a brighter future where everyone can work together okay and, and I think that's something that you've you've certainly talked about um, on some past shows. And for anyone that might just be jumping in now, um, you know, of course, they, you guys can go back and, and listen to, um, I think your episode was called um, Odo and the Voyagers. That was right around the time that, no, it was right around the beginning. And it was like the first like three yeah, or five episodes. Yeah, it was early on for sure. Yeah. And uh, it was, I know it was like right around the time that um, Aaron Eisenberg and Renee had uh, passed mm-hmm. that you had come on and we had talked about that. So make sure you guys go back and, you know, get the full, the full breadth of her story of, of that. So, you know, we have, we have the movie of um, Star Trek First Contact um, that came out in 1996. And it was in that movie that it was established that first contact day was April the 5th, 2063, and it takes place in Montana. Mm. And we see, you know, what happens and what the, the first warp flight leads to, which we find out is just these Vulcan surveyors coming to, um, you know, do their Vulcan salute and meet Zephram Cochran. So, you know, looking to that event, you know, Sure, it's it's fiction. We, I think we can all agree with that that it's fiction. Um, but at the same time, something like that might happen. But regardless of whether it happens or not, what does this first contact, I guess, mean to you in the grand scheme of things beyond Star Trek? Um, I think you know it's kind of going back to what I was saying about an optimistic future. I think. A lot of times when we meet an alien race in fiction, it is depicted as a hostile first meeting. 
Um, and I think we get that from our history, right, of when we've met new people. Um, it's not always been a, uh, you know, a, a friendly meeting. And I think, you know, we have this fear of, you know, the unknown. And so it's like we have trouble picturing us meeting a new alien race and being friendly and that alien race wanting to help us and coming from a good place um and vulcans have you know really represented that a lot throughout the universe of star trek right you know um they are logical and cool and collected they're really they're better than us (laughs) but they care and they want to establish contact and they want to help us and i think that's such an optimistic view of you know meeting an alien race for the first time especially one that's quote-unquote better you know so um that's kind of what it means to me and also it's just something i'm sure fans like myself were just waiting so long to see like well how did we first become friends and how did you know that first start and um you know in this movie we get to see that and also you know the warp drive um so it represents new possibilities where we're going to go from here. You know, we're, now we're going to start traveling the universe and exploring, and we're also going to establish like new connections with different types of people. So um, that's kind of what it means to me. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's very well said. I mean, we even hear uh, Zephram Cochran, uh, right, played by James Cromwell, even talk about you know like I'm not I'm not doing this to better humanity. I'm doing this for money. And sitting on a beach, you know, with, um, I think he even says like naked women, Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't take planes. I, I take trains, you know, to go everywhere. Mm-hmm. And here we are in the, the mid 21st century. So it's good to know that, you know, trains and the rail system is alive and well in the <laughs> mid 21st century. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like here we are, we're, we're going from, you know, the rail system to now, you know, traveling the stars and, this is this might be like a slight rabbit trail but you know for anyone that's seen star trek enterprise that show takes place um i think i want to say it's like about 60 ish years at least 60 years after first contact Mm -hmm. uh close to i know it's definitely closer to 100 and please don't yell at me um, because i can't hear you right now (laughs) um people listening um but anyways it's a good it's a good many years on um and the Vulcans are not really too friendly with us. Like we hear Archer and other folks kind of complaining about the Vulcans. Like, you know, you just give us enough information just to, you know, inch a little bit more along. And I'm wondering if part of that is the Vulcans that made first contact, if that was based on their, their first meeting with Zephram Cochran and his jukebox and, all the whiskey and stuff that he was drinking. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, right? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see, I for, guess. <laughs> first impressions make one heck of a difference, apparently. Yeah, yeah. So, well, okay then. Well, um, do you have um, a favorite, and this is kind of putting you on the spot, so you're welcome, Lisa. <laughs> Thank uh, you. Do you have... <laughs> do you have a uh, a favorite uh, first contact type of um, like either episode or cinematic experience? Hmm. 
So do you mean in the context of like Star Trek, like meeting uh, yeah. alien race yeah, for the first time? Okay. Yeah, let's let's go let's go with first with uh, Star Trek first contact. Yeah, first contacts. Yes. I honestly, it's probably this one. Um, I really love this movie a lot, and we've talked about that. <laughs> and, True story. Yeah, and um, I don't know. It's just so exciting. And you know, you were talking about Cochran and just the the place he's in mentally. I think another cool thing about this being the first contact is. You know, it's it's like he's so disillusioned and so negative and so jaded, and yet he gets to be the first one. And so it's kind of cool because it's like just because your head isn't in the right place doesn't mean good things aren't going to happen. I think, you know, sometimes we, we fall into that trap of feeling like, you know, oh, you know, I'm, I'm willing negative things into existence. And it really doesn't work that way all the time. I mean, certainly it's mm-hmm. better to be optimistic, but I, I like that little angle of it. Um, and so I think this is like probably one of my favorite first contacts uh, is just meeting the Vulcans. I just I like that race and what they represent. And so I don't know. I think that's my favorite. Okay probably not very exciting I, sh- I could have come up with another tangent but i can't think of one off the top of my head well that's what you get when i put you on the spot uh, i know <laughs> <laughs> i can think of one that's kind of disappointing is that too negative <laughs> no no go um, for it let's hear it <laughs> when we when in in ds9 when we meet odo's people I was like, all right. Like, I, I like what the Dominion eventually becomes and they're great bad guys. But the first initial meeting of them, I was kind of like, mm. I just wasn't feeling it at first. It took a while. Oh, and I thought of another okay. fun one. Um, not it, Also a little bit negative. When we first see, like, the Borg. Because they were, like, the coolest bad guys in Star Trek, I think. Um, so when we first get to meet them, that, that was a cool moment, too. That wasn't a letdown for you, meeting the Borg? Not a letdown. The Borg look awesome. Where the Borg yeah. succeed, the Dominion uh, left me nonplussed. <laughs> so, okay, let, let's talk about the founders for just a second. Because like you just mentioned, that was kind of a letdown for you. Mm-hmm. It, it, I don't necessarily want to speak specifically to the letdown, but this is a question that maybe you can just answer for me or explain sure. away for me. So, in the context of the show... In, in the development of the show, we, we found out that Odo, you know, while he was in his little jar being poked and prodded by, um, by the scientist, that he more or less tried to mimic the doctor's appearance. And yes. he could never get the human face right. That's why he kind of looked the way that he did. He mm-hmm. just couldn't get it right. Yeah, like half-formed kind of. Yeah, so... What was up with, like, the rest of the founders kind of having the same, like, undeveloped face? I have two answers to this question. Number one, I, I think... I'm ready. I think on a realistic level, I think that, you know, the people behind Star Trek were like, you know, we got to make them look a little different than everybody else. Like, establish that they are a different race. Because, really, they could just look like us and then... Um, you know, it, it wouldn't be that impressive. Like they would have to be like, remember, I'm a changeling. <laughs> so I think that was part of it uh, aesthetically. But then their explanation on the show was that they hate us. <laughs> they're like, I hate all humanoids because they're not humanoid. They're like a liquid and they can take on any shape. 
but they hate us specifically. So mm-hmm. um, their decision to mimic Odo instead is like sort of a halfway point. Like they need to be able to get around and talk and move like uh, humanoids because if they didn't, that would be expensive. Um, <laughs> and they would have to like CG these creatures all the time. Um, but the real, the reason on the show is that they choose Odo to be like their model so that they can not have to look just like us. And it's also a way to try to get Odo to like come back to the great link, they call it, you know, that they all live in. Right. Um, yeah. So that's, that's the answer. <laughs> okay. Which again, another Odo question that I'm going to ask you, because one, I know he's your favorite character. Yeah. Um, is that island spoilers for anyone that's not seen Deep Space Nine, but is the island on that planet? Do you think that's a changeling? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> They're like you. Ha- they take turns. Like you have to be the island today. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys are drawing the short straw. Yeah, you guys got to be the island. There was something about a, an entire race that chooses to just be in that goop all the time. That I was like, that's disappointing, man. Like you know the uh, <laughs> the the Borg being a collective and going out and conquering that was exciting. But like the Dominion is like, uh, you know, we could be anything we want, but we choose to be goop and we just want to like hang out all day and think together and I'm like "Mm." that's kind of why I was a little disappointed but I think some of it was just like you know budget also Um, they went in a direction that they felt like they could go and still you know produce the show so I kind of get it okay yeah yeah like they want to they're these these all knowing all powerful you know goop people that you know the the Vorta and you know the um, oh, Gem really? Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Well, that was not fun. That they all worship and take take leadership from, and they're like basically worshiping water and listening to water. What's up with that man? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it is kind of it's it's interesting that they would just choose to be in this liquid state all the time, like just live in an ocean. Which I mean, this seems okay. like they could do more, but you know that ends up being. Oh, and I guess I shouldn't give any spoilers, but um, so I'll say, I'll say nothing actually <laughs> for people that haven't seen it yet. But um, yeah, I, I just thought I don't know. I think again, I grew to like them as a bad guy, and I think they're effective as as, as bad guys. I just the first initial meeting, I was like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. It took some getting used to. Okay. So, you know, of of course, um, I I can gush over first contact. I mean, I did it on your podcast, like I've said. Yeah before and love the heck out of that movie and I, I think that um, apart from first contact with the Vulcans I'm gonna kind of go with a different first contact okay. uh, that I think that I, that I enjoyed and I might get some flack for this one but the episode uh, I want to say it's called little green men and it's where uh, Quark, Rom, and Nog all go back, and they're basically the Roswell aliens. I loved that episode. That is such a that's a that's a really good one. Yeah, it's fun, and you see them thinking about being like the Fringi that we know they are. You know, like with let's take over the past and like let's you know basically assimilate Earth. Let's conquer Earth more or less, and <laughs> yeah, you know, make this like a new Fringinar type of thing, and you know, get profit. And instead, they actually get they they very different. And anyways, I, I really enjoyed that episode. That was that was a fun first contact esque 
episode of sorts. So I, I like I love that answer. That's great. <laughs> so it's 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 kind of flipping it on its head because it's not really what we think of, you know, with first contact in a way. Yeah, yeah. It's also a less optimistic one <laughs> where they would come back in time and take advantage of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But a fun so, episode for sure. For sure. And I and again that's a Deep Space Nine episode. So yeah. here we are talking Deep Space Nine. Uh, so with First Contact, of course, we're celebrating First Contact Day. There are ways in which that we can we can celebrate uh, this day. Um, you know, it, is there anything specific that you do um, or don't do with First Contact Day Man, when it comes around? I have to be honest. I did not. I am not aware of how we're supposed to celebrate. So I'm actually excited to hear from you how we're supposed to do that or how people do that. I think. I hadn't thought about it. I guess I thought about it like May the 4th, like, you know, I, I guess I'll watch Star Wars today. How, how are people celebrating? Well, some people, I mean, there are different ways. There's, of course, there's like different ways that you can celebrate First Contact Day, and there's no wrong way to do it. So some people will, you know, have a watch party, and they'll bring over like their Star Trek-themed you know, appetizers and, and drinks Love and things it. like that. That's awesome. <laughs> and, and watch first contact. Hell yeah. They're I should do that. <laughs> sorry. I probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> no, it's okay. okay. It's fine. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's fine. <laughs> you can bleep me out. <laughs> well, nah, that's fine. So <laughs> heck yeah. <laughs> heck yes. AC double hockey sticks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that we've drawn enough attention to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, there, people do that. Some people will organize like special photo shoots oh. where they'll like just take Star Trek pictures or reenact aspects of it. Um, some people will do Star Trek trivia or Star Trek first contact trivia. Um, some people will just not do anything and just talk and just be thankful for the movie. So, I mean, for me personally, every first contact day, which the day that this is coming out is First Contact Day, of course. And uh, I'm going to be watching uh, Star Trek First Contact. So you better believe that's going to happen. And that'll probably be like my whatever it is now, my 200 something viewing of it. So there we go. Love it. Yeah, I think I'm probably going to do that, too. I, I like that you brought this up and that uh, you brought this date to my attention, because with everything going on right now, it was definitely not on my radar. So... <laughs> That is totally fine. Totally fine. I mean, people go gaga over their own fandoms. Okay, and I know you're a Trek fan, and other people are, are Star Wars fans, and Doctor Who, and Thrones, and Battlestar Galactica, and, you know, whatever brings some joy. I mean, we need some joy. We need some optimism, a little bit of levity in this time, and Star Trek is certainly a good injection of optimism and hope. I agree. So, well... I think that's about it for that. So I want to thank you for, um, you know, telling me a little bit about some of your favorite aspects of Star Trek and just first contact in general. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. Well, hey, guys, uh, you know, we just heard from Lisa. And like I said, we are going to have a couple, uh, you know, friends and listeners that are going to be popping in to kind of highlight this this day and kind of this appreciation of Star Trek. Now, of course, Star Trek 
came out in September of 1966, but that doesn't mean we can't appreciate it here on First Contact Day. So take a listen to my first set of friends, and uh, we'll keep on trucking. So here we go. Here's Nick and Andy. All right. Well, I have my friend Nick right in front of me, and um, all we're going to do, we are going to hang out, eat some good food, and just have some fellowship. Now, uh, part of what we're doing is we're also recording people and about Star Trek and what they like about Star Trek and what they might be thankful for when it comes to um, Star Trek in general. So, Nick, thank you for being my first victim with this. so, what's going on? Tell me, tell me about Star Trek. I guess my favorite thing about Star Trek is this Thanksgiving this year is that there's a real diversity of Star Trek. Whatever, whatever it is you're looking for, there's probably a Star Trek to fit it. And that doesn't mean that everybody has to like everything that, oh, that's labeled Star Trek, but there's something for everybody. Okay. Okay. So, what's... You're right, there's a lot of diversity right now, um, a lot of stuff that's popping up, especially in the next couple months. What What's something that um, you really like about Star Trek? Uh, whether it's a show, it's a character, it's a theme, whatever it might be, and that might be kind of a loaded question. Yeah, definitely a loaded question. <laughs> uh, it's probably changed uh, uh, over the years. Like a lot of people, I like that Star Trek manages to tell interesting stories in a universe where humanity more or less has its act together. Sure. You know, we've solved a lot of the things that that are still causing us problems today, but and that's hopeful. But it also shows that that doesn't mean that there aren't conflicts to to decide and and enemies to be faced. And a lot of the more recent Star Trek has kind of looked at at how do you. How do you not fall back into those old patterns as a society, as a people, yeah. at, uh, as you continue to face some of those new challenges? For sure. For sure. And I'm, I'm, hope, I'm very hopeful that we're going to see more of that in the coming months, like with Star Trek Picard and Star Trek Discovery, especially with what Jonathan Frakes um, has gone on record as saying that Star Trek Discovery, which is more of a gritty Star Trek, I think we could agree on that, Sure. Um, is going to be a lot more um, um, like optimistic and hopeful, um, kind of like past Star Trek um, shows have been. So they're going to do a minor pivot, but um, but there is something um, to, to like all these different shows. Where how do we get along with people that differ from us? How do we deal with conflict and and things like that? So um, how long have you? How long would you say that you've been a Star Trek fan for? Uh, Mid nineties. Okay. And was it was it Next Gen, Deep Space Nine, Voyager? Or, or was there an original series that was on like a rerun or something? No, I started out as a Next Gen fan. Okay. Uh, came into it pretty late in its run. Okay. At, uh, and uh, didn't see a lot of deep, deep Space Nine. Saw a lot more of Voyager and... You know, was too busy trying to earn a living to see a whole lot of Enterprise. So that can get in the way. Later on, I'm I'm now kind of trying to rewatch a, a lot of stuff and you know get it in order mm-hmm. and, uh, and complete it. At, uh, and I keep liking what I'm seeing. You know, I'm on my first run through of Deep Space Nine, and yeah. 
you know, Deep Space Nine is Star Trek for people who like Star Wars. <laughs> there are lots of different looking aliens all wandering around, and it sometimes seems like the odds uh, are overwhelming, but the, you know, the good guys are probably going to come out okay in the end. Okay. Those might be fighting words for the people that are listening, by the way, in terms of like Deep Space Nine being the Star Wars of Star Trek. But that's okay. All right, now I have um, Andy with me. Uh, we just had some delicious food together, and um, we were just talking a little bit about Kevin, um, Baby Yoda on The Mandalorian, and this is not a Star Wars podcast. It's not going to turn into one, even though I've already heard the uh, Trek Wars episode. Uh, what I want to do is I just want to take the time and kind of hear from you, Andy, in terms of um, what you like about Star Trek, what you're thankful for uh, when it comes to Star Trek and uh, maybe something that you're kind of looking forward to or just that you maybe just appreciate in general about Star Trek. So, Well, I think for me, I'm just a fan who's just happy to have these things. I know some people get so seriously into all this stuff that, um, you know, if they think something breaks canon or bends the rules, you know, they, people get up in arms and everything. It's like, can't we just enjoy it and have the fun and the joy? Yeah. Maybe there's an episode or a film you don't like as well as another one. We all have our favorites, and that's cool. But the whole original message of Star Trek was this concept of, of, of inclusion and diversity. And... So shouldn't we be that way? Just even in our welcoming of the fandoms right. and the you know the degree to which you you, you like something and, and and forgive its flaws. Even. Yeah. Um, and and so I think that for me and what I'm truly thankful for is it, it's I've been a fan since I was a kid. Okay. And so I really go back uh, and it's always been there for me and when suddenly this whole other world of having these conventions uh, sprang up and I became aware of that kind of thing it was a whole other way to express something that I loved since my childhood yeah um, and so that was really cool uh, and I think one of the, the fun experiences I had was a couple of cons ago when I went back and I did Yeoman Janice Rand yeah my, my beehive here I mean I went old school um, because I go that far back, yeah. uh, and so I was like, let's take it back there to that. Because even though we've had the, the wonderful reimagining with the, the, the series that takes us to a new Captain Kirk and all that stuff, I still go back to the originals, and I love the, the cheesy look of yeah. the old 60s stuff and everything. And so that, to me, to be able to do something like that was a lot of fun. Um, and I... and. Again, I know everybody's reacted differently to Star Trek Discovery, which I loved. Um, but again, I'm just open to any, you know, where are we going to take this? Mm -hmm. um, and as long as you can convince me in some way, I'm going to go along for the ride. Yeah. I'm not going to judge and make a big deal. Yeah, maybe ooh, plot hole or whatever. I'm not sure. Gonna, you know, it's like I'm just sure. going to love it. I'm just going to have fun. And, and go along for the ride. And, and I think that, you know, that's taken that original idea of, you know, let's just all be inclusive and, and uh, diverse in our opinions, but still be this one big uh, alliance, if you will. Right. Um, and so I think that's, that's what it really signifies to me and why I'm involved in the groups and the cosplay and all that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, because it, it's become so much bigger than when I just 
sat and watched every you know every week on TV and then yeah. the reruns, which I still will sit through. <laughs> so you just discovered that there's a whole channel that runs those. Yes, heroes and icons. If you, uh, of course, I don't know who all's listening. Uh, to the podcast, but uh, Heroes and Icons, even though it's on air here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area on 27.4, it is, uh, it's available around the country, so it's not just a local channel. You can find, you can go to the hni.com or HNI TV, something like that, okay. on, on the web, and you can find the channel listings in your area for it, and they literally do a Star Trek block I think it's about six nights a week, so you know when I could go back and relive all of the seasons of Voyager, and yeah. and and when I didn't have any cable TV for a while after the tornado, I was watching all I could get was the H and I channel on my digital, and so I was watching all the Star yeah. Treks, and so I got to watch the the last episodes again of, of the last season of Voyager, which always make me tear up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like I know it's coming, you know, when Tuvok does his little farewell to Neelix and all those yeah. things, it gets me every time. Spoilers. And yes, I know. Yeah, well, I hope not at this point. How many years ago was that on? <laughs> but, but I, you know, being able to, to anytime I want to, flip on that TV channel and watch it again. Yeah. You know, even though it's like, yes, we own the DVDs or we own the Blu-rays, but it's something about, oh, it's on right now. I can just flip the channel right. over. Yeah, it's absolutely. a weird mind thing. But I do that. I do that with Doctor Who. I do that with a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And I own all the Marvel movies. But, oh, look. This one's on again. I'm going to watch Avengers. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, you were saying um, that you know, like there's Discovery, and then there's like Voyager that you're speaking very fondly of, and um, we got to remember there's different time periods, different timelines. It's all wibbly wobbly, timey wimey <laughs> stuff yes. when it comes to when people are, are joining us. And I know we have some folks that are brand new. Uh, listening and watching Star Trek for the very first time that listen to this podcast. So thank you guys for, uh, you know, jumping in the deep end with us, so to speak. Um, and, and I've said almost every episode that it's okay for you to like something that other people don't like. Yeah. Um, and I, in fact, I remember when you, um, it's been a while, it's been a minute, it's been like probably a year and a half, I think, since you did that Janice Rand mm-hmm. uh, cosplay, because yeah. I think... Yeah. It was either the day before or the day after that. Because I did a whole Star Trek weekend. Because you did. I did Next Gen because I because I did my um, Lieutenant did. Commander Shelby. And I did my Riker yes. with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was fun. We got some pictures, and if I can find some pictures of it, I'll put it in the group. Um, so yeah, that that was that was really cool. So um, any any like closing thoughts or final thoughts um, to share with anyone about anything Star Trek? Just something you love or something you want someone to think about anything any parting trek wisdom or knowledge well you know when we think back to what roddenberry was trying to do with the series i mean he was he was shaking some trees back then because yeah. i mean he had the interracial kiss he did you know i mean and of course he was pushing some boundaries to even have this woman of color in a position of responsibility you know on this crew um and so he already was trying to show a future where we could all work together and and have common goals and and do the right thing for the right reasons which Mm -hmm. is what they were out there doing and why you had the prime directive that always creates problems and everything but that his his ideal of what things could be can still be something that we all can welcome and strive for and I like to think certainly that's something that you know is in the back of my mind just the way I lead my life yeah um, so I think that's also why so many people love Trek is because there's an initial 
foundations that it was built on are humanity and, and you know ideals to live by. Yes. So yeah. I think that's that's you know and so wherever you come in to jump in to the mm -hmm. waters, uh, there's a place for you because yeah. that's the whole point. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And that into your point, there's there's something about the show that encourages you to do better and to be better mm -hmm. um, and what, whatever that means whether that's personally that's relationally that's spiritually I mean even with it being more of a humanistic show it, it, hit, it hits and touches on every aspect of humanity yeah it really does um, and they and especially when you've got the, the shows in the m more recent iterations where they could examine things like let's really take something that's going on right now in our world and let's have an episode that reflects it but it's with aliens so mm -hmm. that we can make statements and it not be so you know in your face and yet so triggering like, yes right yeah that's a good <laughs> word um but that's i mean but that's a way and i and yeah. i see that there's there's a number of tv shows right now that are doing that kind of thing um cw's doing it on supergirl and some of the mm -hmm. other and it's something especially with sci-fi genre you can do and get away with yeah and people who it, they need to see the message <laughs> that's in those shows watch the show and then it's like almost subliminal it's like Guess what? You're, you know, this is trying to teach you something that you need to learn. Yeah. Um, and and sci-fi is the perfect way to be able to to give those messages, disguise it, let it sneak up on you, and hopefully, you know, enter your consciousness to the point that you do absorb it and you do start to make those, you know, those. That's the way that you want to choose to live. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, um, I want to say thank you for um, taking the time to share some of your thoughts uh, with. Uh, with us uh, today. Well, guys, that was uh, Commander Lisa, and I had a chance to also talk with Ambassador Fogel about, you know, some of his stuff and, you know, what he enjoys about Trek and just talking about first contact and just Star Trek in general. So uh, have a listen to uh, some of the conversation that uh, Ambassador Fogel and I had recently about how we celebrate and what we do and what we think about Star Trek and first contact day. Here you go. So anyways, thanks for coming back, David. Um, Ambassador Fogel, <laughs> uh, good old official term. Here on the station, man, you are you're pretty clutch. That's all I gotta say. That's what I hear. People tell me I'm, I'm just the clutch master. Clutch master. Good lord. It's like a, that's like uh, an 80s movie, <laughs> The Clutch Master. It's a sequel to um, The Road Warrior, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, well, you know, I've been talking with people. Um, talk. I've spoken with Commander Lisa. Um, I've had some conversations with other listeners as well uh, regarding like what Star Trek means to them in general and just wanted to continue that conversation uh, since we're here celebrating First Contact Day. Welcome to First Contact Day and kind of just go from there. So with that, what does, let's just do the low hanging fruit. What does Star Trek mean to you? Like what kind of meaning or whatever does Star Trek hold with you? So, 
you know, I think in a previous episode we had talked a little bit about this. You know, I had kind of grown up with uh, the Next Generation, but before the Next Generation episode came on TV, they always played a, um, a rerun of the original series as well. So I got to watch both, and it it, it symbolized a lot of imagination. You know, it, I think that, that was the main thing that it sort of spawned in me was was you know thinking just thinking about things in a different way you know here we were and i i don't remember all the little tiny pinpoints but i know that at one point we still had black and white tv in in our house and then we got color so color was amazing and then um because we we were (laughs) I, i get color was not unique at the time let me put it that way i'm not that old but it was just, you know, we didn't have a lot of money at the, at the time. But anyway, even that was miraculous. But then on this color TV, little 19-inch thing in the middle of a, you know, in the middle of the room, sat a show that was in space on this giant ship full of people who walked around with tablets. We didn't even know what a tablet was. I mean, nowadays an iPad's as common as anything <laughs> else, right? But... True off. story. What's that? I said true story, oh, yeah. Sorry. So, you know, walking around with tablets, you know, they're, they're, they're publishing duty rosters and making personal logs and so forth. I don't know if you remember this, but I, I want to say, I can't even remember what the movie was it came from, but it was, um, uh, I think it was called A Talk Boy, and it was basically just a little tape recorder, but it had a little microphone in it, and it was... It was oh, yeah. Home Alone, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Okay, that's it. I had one of those. So I, I love the mess out of it, man. So did I. I had one too, and that's what I would kind of do. I'd do personal logs on the Talkboy. And it, was, it, it just symbolized so much imagination in, you know, for me and, and just thinking about things in a, different, in a different way. And then years later, you know, I kind of got into Star Wars, which is less about science so I, I, I like both realms for different reasons but the scientific a- aspect of it trying to figure out problems with your mind instead of uh, brute force I mean unless you're wharf but uh, <laughs> so that was always big for me and then the other side of it was was this hopefulness for the future you know they talked about in the show you know wars and, and the wars that they had and overcoming that and overcoming poverty and hunger and you know, class systems and all this good stuff. And, you know, for a kid who's sitting here dreaming and imagining in a small town, uh, you know, with not a lot of money, it was, it was great to think about a future that could bring everyone together and, you know, in one sphere and, you know, nobody, everybody's on the same platform. You can do anything. It was that, that thought of you can do anything. I don't know if they did it to you when you were a kid, but like, you know, little Tommy, when you grow up, you can be the president of the United States of America. Oh, yeah. You, uh, you could be an astronaut yeah. like John Glenn and, and just all this stuff. And, you know, in Star er, in Star Trek, it was almost like, well, hell yeah, I can do that. I could totally do that, it, you know, with, with that sort of thought process. So uh, hope and the cultivation of imagination were, were big for me and that's that's kind of what what really attracted me to uh, to Star Trek as a whole 
Yeah, when I when I was growing up, and this is like no joke because like I, I got so much crap for it when I was a kid, and even into my teens. But like my my aunts and uncles, cousins, uh, even a few of my friends, they'd ask me like that that question that we would hear, you know, when we were younger of, you know, like what you can, what do you want to be when you grow up? You know, this whole thing about you can be whatever you want to be. And I said, I wanted to be Indiana Jones when I grew up. <laughs> yes. So, and I still do. I mean, I kind of am. I'm so <laughs> that's, that's for a different time, but, um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I think you, you make a very good point. You certainly do make a very good point about, you know, this, like I can accomplish this and I can do this and, you know, using, using your noodle instead of your fists to be able to, to solve stuff and to, to better society. I mean, like I've watched, I can't tell you how many Trek documentaries and just read so many articles and things regarding Star Trek and the impact of Star Trek. And a lot of folks went into like aerospace engineering and rocket science and like basically STEM, STEM fields basically because of Star Trek, yep. and and that's that's a testament right there. I mean, this little old sci-fi show busting it, busting out you know in the, the mid 1960s and just how it's impacted not just one generation but multiple generations to go into these different fields. I mean, we look at the original cast and what that's led to people like with math, science, working at NASA. And then we, we go to like the 80s, like even ki- folks our age, I shouldn't say kids, like folks our age, like the Deanna Troy character that inspired people to go into like mental health professions or the, right. the crushers to go into like medical stuff. I mean, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yes, so, so with that, like there's, there's the Star Trek piece, but here we are on first contact day on you know, with, with people listening right now. So what does, what's this day mean to you? Uh, you know, yes, it's 43 years in the future by Star Trek standards, but what does this, this premise, this idea of first contact day mean to you? Does it resonate in any way? Yeah, it, it does. And, um, you know, my, my favorite, my favorite movie was first contact. Star Trek movie was, was first contact. And I, I think about that sometimes when you're when you have you're, you're going to this planet, which obviously there's there's still a lot of issues going on here. And, you know, Zephram Cochran wasn't quite the hero that that everybody kind of thought he was from the history books. Because obviously history's written. <laughs> it's written, but it's not always the same as it is in, in uh, reality. But I, I think about the, the, the shock there's a lot of folks nowadays that talk about you know yeah there, there's got to be life out there you know we've um, we've sent we've sent stuff out into the cosmos even now to try and, and discern that and the deeper and deeper we go the more we can discover and who knows I mean there could be a, a point where some intelligent life does come to us and I, I gotta say, I mean, even though I'm I'm definitely open to it, I probably would be the exact same way that Cochran is there, and I'm just like, <laughs> what, what are we? What, what are we? What am I looking at here? What what am I actually looking at? Uh, hopefully, I wouldn't be as as drunk as he was at the time, though. But you know, 
I'll leave that to another thing. But anyway, um, I, I think it I think it does symbolize the the dream the dream to continue to go to go further to to continue to discover. We know so little even about our own planet, uh, let alone our our galaxy, our universe, and and so forth. And I think that. Um, I think that you know, just if tomorrow we had the Vulcans come down, I think my biggest question is: is do you do you think it would be such a unifying force as it kind of was for 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 the the Trek universe, or do you or I, I kind of wonder? I just kind of wonder how our how our like politicians, how our military, how they would take that. Because there are, um, gosh, I'm really trying to pull here, but like, I want to say, and I, I, I just, I can't remember if it was Trek or if it was something else that I'm trying to pull from my, my little brain here, but I feel like maybe there's an alternate timeline of something where instead of, yeah, there was, there was an alternate timeline somewhere in Trek where instead of, um, instead of Cochran shaking the Vulcan's hand, he, he like shot him. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, that was uh, In a Mirror Darkly. That was part one and two of Star Trek Enterprise. Okay, that okay Enterprise. Yeah, that that's it. Gosh, I need to rewatch that series. I, I actually love that series up to a point. But anyway, just thinking about you know how crazy we can get with. I mean, even with just what's going on now with the whole with the virus and stuff and how people react to it you know, aliens coming down from space and we, and we've created this entire genre around it. Like, are we going to get independence day or are we going to get star Trek? You know what I mean? So it, it's an interesting thought for, for just human psychology, how we would even deal with that. But I think that there are enough people that, that would truly be almost in awe that this is happening. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I think my first thoughts always go to how we would react. Yeah, and I think of, of even other other sci-fi series where there's been like this, you know, turf war type of thing going on uh, in different, different ways. So like the one that comes immediately to mind is from Stargate SG-1. You know, we have the United States Air Force in that show that's controlling the the only known Stargate at that point. Yep. And then we, we later find out that, oh, by the way, Russia has one. Yep. And, and we somehow end up in the Russian, like in a Russian um, base also compound type uh, of thing. Marina Sirtis. Marina Sirtis. Sirtis, yeah. <laughs> And, and then they're having to like negotiate, like, okay, we need at least like a Russian team here or there if it's going to be at an Air Force base. So we need to, to like, so like th there's that. And then there are, of course, other episodes of Stargate where that happens too. So, you know, I don't know if, if there would be this open mind, kind of like what we're seeing at the end of, of the first contact movie where, people are just willing to really work together. I mean, like within the, the, the timeline, the chronology of Star Trek in that particular movie, we know that there's been a lot of conflict. There's been a lot of death that's take, taken place. Like it's, it's 
sometime after World War III. There's so many millions of people still left on the Earth. So it's it's probably not as much of a big to-do like it might be right now. Yeah. However, people right now in the day and age that we live in, like in reality, we are... I feel like we're itching to just be connected with one another again. Yeah. And I think that we're more open-minded to things right now than what we would normally be. Right. Yes, there's still politicians and factions, you know, here and there that are going to do their own thing, but I think we're more we might be more at a, more willing of a place to listen, much like we were um, as a society 20 years ago when the uh, attack in New York happened for September 11, 2001. Yep. So, I don't know. We'll see. 43 years isn't too terribly far away in the grand scheme of things. That's true. That's very true. Within our lifetimes, right? Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be in our, our what, 70s, 80s, yeah. thereabouts <laughs> when that happens. Good grief. Good grief, man. Ugh. Well... Uh, with that, do you have like a favorite first contact moment in, in any of the series or movies, I should say? Oh, man. Uh, I, 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 st- I still go back to the, to the first contact movie. I mean, just that, <laughs> that just awkward handshake between Cochran and, and the Vulcan uh, ambassador who came down. I mean, that... And the, then they're in the bar a little later, and he's playing the he's playing the music and so forth, and it, just, it still makes me laugh to watch to watch the ending of that. But I think that's probably my still my favorite first contact from the show. Um, it just you know again I think it, I think a lot of it has to do with it also being my favorite movie. But the the Vulcans to me have always been um, they've always been extremely interesting, but also very puzzling. You know, and, and to have the contrast between, you know, very emotionally driven humans and then these non-emotionally logic driven Vulcans, uh, that, that, that contrast still still is one I always like to see. Yeah. I was telling Lisa whenever I was talking with her that uh, one of my, my favorite moments is kind of like a reverse first contact in a way. And that is whenever uh, the Ferengi, like so Quark, Ram, and Nog, uh, were basically the Roswell aliens when they went back in time. <laughs> that was that, that was, was pretty enjoyable. Uh, and then, of course, I, I really enjoyed first contact in a way, I guess, with uh, with the Klingons in Broken Bow uh, for yeah. you know the series opener of of Star Trek Enterprise. So that was good too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, there's there's a lot of good moments like meeting Shran, you know, f- with the Andorians and stuff. That's fantastic too. Yep. A lot of, I mean, a lot of first contact with like our established races certainly take place in Enterprise. Um, I think my least favorite, my absolute least favorite, <laughs> is with the Packleds. <laughs> Come on, man! In, in the next generation. Oh, you don't love the Packleds? We, no, we need things no. to make us go. We are strong. Make us go fast. Oh, Poor Packlids. They just wanted to go, yeah. man. They just wanted to be strong. <laughs> goodness, goodness, goodness. Well, is there anything that you're going to be doing today to celebrate uh, this first contact day? 
it'll be in my heart as I as I work off a bunch of chicken chicken that I ate from Raisin Cane's and and then get get right back to recording all the stuff I have to record and and then uh, you know I probably keep chugging on uh, watching Discovery for the first time. There you go, there you go. Well, somewhere between you know not eating chicken like fried chicken and you know doing whatever else you got to do try and carve out like two hours and watch first contact day that's that can be one way that you can you know just watch star trek first contact on first contact day and uh yeah so there we go well ambassador that's it for us Uh, i want to thank you for uh for answering some of my questions and being um, one of the people that comes on regularly and, and share your thoughts. So I really appreciate it. No problem. Great to be here. All right. So I had a little uh, time to talk with uh, my friend Ruth about uh, some of the same questions that we heard uh, Nick and Andy kind of respond to. So uh, take a listen to what we have for her and we'll go from there. All right, and now I have um, another friend that's joining me today. I've known uh, my friend Ruth for, gosh, was it two or three years now, maybe? It's not three years, going Maybe four? No. I think it's three. Th- three? Yeah. Mainly through conventions and, like, the whole Doctor Who scene and stuff like that. We're both um, Whovians and just total geeks and nerds in the most lovable way possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, we just, um, we're, we're here at um, a Trexgiving. We're just hanging out, uh, some Trek fans, having some good food uh, right around uh, Thanksgiving 2019. And um, just grabbing some people and having them kind of talk about, uh, you know, what they like about Star Trek and, you know, what they're kind of thankful and grateful for about it. So um, however you want to answer that, go for it, Ruth. Uh, my brothers introduced me to it when I was very young uh, with the there's a Klingon on the starboard bow scrape it off Jim I had no idea what that meant but they were singing it I thought that was awesome so I sang it too and after a while I I found out what that was all about when I ran into the movie it was in but um no I I do appreciate Star Trek Uh, I have gotten a lot of happiness and uh, comfort from the sci-fi world the convention scene and Star Trek was my introduction to that world. Um, let's see, as far as Star Trek, I appreciate all of Star Trek, though I do have a preference for Deep Space Nine. Okay. Okay, so there are quite a few people that love Deep Space Nine, and that being one of their favorites. So what about DS9 do you like the most or appreciate about it? and the situations were flawed and faulted, but they still did their best to do what was right and to accept one another and work with one another. But they were still kind of messed up, but they did the best they could. Gotcha. That's kind of like me. I'm a very screwed up individual. There's none of this perfection business, and I kind of feel akin to the Deep Space Nine crew. Just do the best for what you can. Well, hey, give yourself more credit. I think you're pretty amazing. Oh, thanks. (laughs) 
Um, do you have a favorite character from Deep Space Nine? Mm, from Deep Space Nine, let's see. I like Odo, I think, the best out of all the characters. I, I like them all, but Odo would have to be my favorite. Okay. Yeah, the, um, I think Lisa, uh, fr- um, we both know Lisa from um, uh, conventions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I th- I'm, if I'm not mistaken, and Lisa, you can correct me later if, I'm, if I screw this up, but I'm pretty sure she said Odo was her favorite character as well from Deep Space Nine. So, uh, very cool, very cool. Um, and I've seen you do some, some Star Trek cosplay as well. Uh, you do um, a femme version of Paul Stamets, I believe. I do. Okay, any other Star Trek uh, cosplays or, that you're either working on that you've done? I don't have any others that I completed, but I think Luxwan and Troy might be up my alley at some point in time. Heck yes. <laughs> Please do that. Please do that. My wife just started cosplaying Deanna. Oh. <laughs> so that would be amazing to see you two like next to each other doing the whole mother-daughter cosplay thing. That would be fantastic. Okay, okay. Um, so as we kind of start to, you know, wrap this up just a little bit, um, any any parting thoughts or words or encouragement um, for just people in general, like as it relates to, to Star Trek and stuff like that? Things might not be the way you want them to be. This mm-hmm. world is far, far from ideal and perfect. Try to be the type of person you want to encounter in this world. It's not easy. You're going to fail and fall down. Get up and try Okay. I felt like you were channeling a little bit of Picard there for a second. I, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I like him too. <laughs> Very wise words, and I would agree. Um, there's a line that Picard says in The Inner Light, um, and I'm probably going to butcher the quote, but he goes, he starts to say, live now, now will never come again. See, and he's basically saying, seize the day, which we heard, we've heard is carpe diem and stuff like that. So um, live now, live in the moment, uh, don't necessarily live in the moment, but be in the here and now and take advantage of all the time that you have, have uh, before you. So um, not to take away with what you're saying, but I think it kind of maybe complements it a little bit. Um, anyways, thank you so much, Ruth, uh, for taking the time to sit down and record. Um, hopefully you enjoyed some of the food and festivities that we had going on here. That was awful. No. Worst was food ever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, and um, hope you uh, have an enjoyable rest of your evening. And it was good seeing you and talking to you today. goodness 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 yeah there's there's um there's some weird stuff that happens in episode 11 and uh you can find out for the low low price of 999.99 rupees how much money is that actually i have no idea let's just let's just (laughs) i just i have no idea you just made something up yeah, it just happened. It was on my mind, and I'm like, eh, why not? Let's see what happens. I bet you and that's like $6. 
You know, we can, we can find <laughs> out. You want to find out? You want to find out how much it is? <laughs> like, <laughs> sure. How much is like oh my a million a million rubies? How much is that? <laughs> so 999.99 rupees is $13.09. Well, that's more than what I paid for CBS All Access. Well, there we go. Per month. I you know, you know, you had to get January, February, and March to get all the Picard. That's true. 30 bucks. Or whatever it is. Yeah, well, I paid for the five ninety nine commercial version. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I only spent eighteen bucks. Well go you go. Well hey, you know what? It is first contact day. It is first contact day. And you know, first contact day has been a thing since nineteen ninety six, uh, when the movie Star Trek First Contact came out. And uh, that was certainly um, a Next Generation Crew movie. But before we talk about that movie, you know, or whatever, or even just the day itself, um, I know that we've, we've talked about it here and there. Um, but for anyone that where this might be their first episode, right, of, of the podcast, like they see it like on Twitter. It's like, you know, First Contact Day is trending and they're like, oh, there's a podcast called First Contact Day or something, you know. Tell the listeners, you know, however brief you want to make it, kind of what, what Star Trek means to you and, and what you like about Star Trek. I know there's a table involved in this conversation, but um, go for it. Okay, so what I love about Star Trek, um, when I was just a little kid, so when I started watching it, it was just, it was fun and it was exciting and it was different. You know, it was just cool science-y stuff but I think the thing that's kept me going on with Star Trek is that you know there's in all of the the bad situations that can happen there's still this optimistic view of the future and I think that is something that's unique to Star Trek as opposed to other science fiction series right when you get into to Star Wars, a big one. It's it's really not in necessarily an optimistic world. There's kind of a grim and bleak picture. Um, definitely, Babylon Five, which I love, is is definitely a dark dark world. And um, Battlestar Galactica is really grim and gritty. So say we all. But start, yeah. So say we all. But but Star Trek is always. I know that there are there are bad times. Right, and there are definitely dark moments, but at the end of the day, I feel still feel like it's always optimistic, and there's this hopeful quality that that humans and the Federation is this inherent force for good, and I just really think that is something that I find is unique to Star Trek, and I just I'm really I really like that, and that's I think that's what keeps me coming back to it. Excellent, yeah, and. You know, I know that this is something that we talked about in our first recording together, Very Old Friends. Uh, I think it's like episode four or five of this podcast. So if you guys want to hear a more in-depth talk of that, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that. Now, yes, like there are bleak and disappointing and depressing times that happen in Star Trek. But 
they're still able to overcome it and still have this optimism, this hope uh, of what the future has in store for whatever crew that this is happening to or whatever people this is happening to. Now, with First Contact coming out in 1996, we get a very firm date that, that this future that we've, we've all you know grown accustomed to through the various uh, television series and movies, we now have a start date to when this is more or less happening. And that's April the 5th, 2063. So at the time of you guys listening to this, we're only 43 years away from First Contact actually happening. Air quotes. And yeah, we're, we're, we're only about 11 years from Zephram Cochran being born. That's well. true. That is very true. Because we set, we, we set a birth date for him of January 27, 2031. So there we go. So when we, when we look to the movie First Contact and we just think about First Contact Day, this is my question for you, Eric. What does this day mean to you? Uh, and however you want to answer that. What does First Contact Day mean or represent for you? Well, as, as big of a Trekkie, Trekker, I don't necessarily think I understand the distinction. As big of a fan as I am, I, I feel like there is some distinction between those two terms, which I'm not fully aware of. But I feel like I've heard people describe that. As big of a fan of Star Trek as I am, I don't know anybody else who's a fan. Right? I know you, Chase, and you're the only person that I can talk hey, to. Hey, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. And this has been super fun, being able to talk with you every week about Star Trek. But I don't know anybody else who's a Star Trek fan. And so, for me, there's really no way to celebrate it. And I just, it's... And, and just me, I'm kind of a down and depressing person, so I'm like the type of person that says, why do we need to celebrate things? Like, Thanks, bud. I'm, yeah, no, no, like, <laughs> like, I don't celebrate, I don't celebrate birthdays, I don't really celebrate holidays, like, the 4th of July is really the only holiday I celebrate because I'm a patriot, but other than that, like, I'm not a big celebration type of person. Okay. It would probably be different if I knew a lot of people or could gather with people that were Star Trek fans, Okay. right? And that's why I think coming on this podcast has been so much fun talking. And I've just, like, maybe, like, my fandom has been cranked up a notch because I've been able to talk about it so much. Sure. Sure. And I appreciate you giving me this voice and this forum. Yeah, buddy. Nothing wrong with a good forum. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, so, some of the things that I've talked about with you know, some other folks that are kind of in the same boat. Like I didn't even know that we were supposed to celebrate first contact day or how do other people celebrate first contact day? And that is perfectly fine. I mean, like I think we look to other fandoms and, and the one that comes to mind more readily is of course, star Wars, because we have, yeah. we have may the fourth and revenge may of the, the fourth, si- yeah. revenge of the fifth type of thing. And I've never heard of Revenge of the Fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So people go gaga over that kind of stuff and they'll, they'll dress up, they'll have watch parties or whatever. And I think that that's something that we could still do, you know, in turn, in there's no right or wrong way to celebrate something that you like, you know, like if, if your form of celebrating is going and getting some hot wings and 
watching First Contact, cool. If it's, you know, getting on like a, a Star Trek uniform and taking a picture of yourself and posting it on social media, cool. But I don't think there's a right or wrong reason and to, or right or wrong way, I should say, to, to celebrate this thing. So apart from the celebrating, you know, you're, you're talking about I don't, uh, that you don't really have too many people to talk to about Star Trek. So let this be your forum, Eric, to, to talk about, <laughs> sorry, to talk about um, what First Contact Day means to you. Not, not the celebration, but the event that's taking place in Star Trek. What's, does it have any special meaning to you? One of the things that you can look at um, through First Contact is Zephram Cochran. He is our creator of Warp Drive. He is this event ushered in a new era of peace and prosperity for the planet Earth and helped lead to the creation of the Federation. And sometimes we think about these historical figures as like these super great men we kind of idolize them and put them up on a pedestal mm -hmm. and we really see here that Zephram Cochran is not that person no <laughs> like there's a there's a point where like Picard didn't even meet Zephram Cochran until like the end of the movie and and there's this moment on board the ship where he's talking with Lily and he says, the economics of the future are somewhat different, and um, I'm not going to get the quote right, but he says, we strive toward bettering ourselves and creating a better world, and we have this, this, this vision of, of making things better. And then he says, in some way, we're a lot like you and Dr. Cochran. <laughs> like, our vision is just to like, work to better ourselves. But then, what is it that Zephram Cochran says? He's like, you guys all think I'm some kind of saint or some visionary. <laughs> and Riker's like, well, I don't think you're a saint, but you definitely had a vision. Yeah. He's like, you want to know what my vision is? Like, dollar signs. You know, retiring to some beach with naked women. Mm -hmm. That's my vision. That's the Zephram Cochran. This other guy you talk about, he doesn't exist, and I'm pretty sure I'm never going to meet him. Yeah, this historical figure doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, then Riker, Riker with a great line. Someone once said, don't try to be a great man, just be a man, and let history make its judgments. <laughs> he goes, what kind of rhetorical nonsense is that? Who said that? You did. <laughs> <laughs> Ten years from now. <laughs> and... And I just think it's it's funny that we, we, we tend to put these historical figures maybe on a pedestal, like I said. But we have to realize that they're just people as well. You know, you think back of all the great men that you read about in your history books, and yeah, they may have done great things, but I mean, were they great men? Yeah. And I just think it's just it's kind of an interesting thing, this idea of hero worship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's Zephyr Cochran would be a very fun person to talk about in in a future episode, which I'm sure we will, as we do like more history of the Federation and you know history of the future installments and stuff for the podcast. But yeah, like 
this whole like what is this idea of a great man like what does the idea of a great man mean to individuals you know because it's a very this this greatness this great man great woman it's a very subjective kind of thing and you know speaking uh like from someone that you and i mutually know and respect eric you know our the like one of our former assistant scout masters and advisors and and mentors of sorts jerry you know we probably would have thought of him as a great man but other people did not so again it's very subjective yeah uh-huh. very subjective and, you know let history make its own judgments yeah if i'm writing the if i'm writing the history books i know what i'm going to say <laughs> <laughs> all right well with with first contact day i mean however you choose to celebrate it whether it's hot wings or just taking a nap i don't really care um do you have a favorite uh like first contact moment so whether we're meeting an alien race for the first time it's an introductory episode or something along those lines within star trek or i wish you would ask me this question yesterday and i could have thought about it <laughs> i did so- ask you yesterday <laughs> <laughs> Too shady. You know, one thing to me, there's there's two things I guess that that stand out to me that I'll try and describe kind of quickly here. Um, One is our it's not first contact, but it is our as the audience's first contact. If that makes sense. So it's the episode uh, "The Wounded" from the Next Generation, um, which is where we meet the Cardassians for the first time. Okay. Okay, and and um, that's a fantastic episode and definitely an underrated one that I don't pe- think people give enough credit to. Um, and you know, we meet a lot of one-off races in Star Trek and. I'm sure a lot of people thought when this episode came on that this the Cardassians were just going to be a one-off race. But we know that didn't turn out to be the case. What? <laughs> <laughs> and and we were introduced to this this Cardassians and we learned that the Federation has a big history with them that we've never we've never known before as the audience where there was a war with the Cardassians and there was a treaty with them and you know miles o'brien has fought in the war against them and you know as much as we want to think of our starfleet officers he's not an officer but our starfleet personnel as being these these open-minded um open-minded people you do see a lot of like racism there. I don't know if it's racism necessarily, but he he doesn't want anything to do with the Cardassians because he doesn't like what he had to become in the war with them. Right. And and at that point, you know, O'Brien was still a small character. I I think he had he had hadn't even been in 10 episodes at that point. Mhm. Yeah. So he's not the fully developed character that we see later on. And so it's interesting when you get these side characters at that point 
and you and you understand how relationships develop with these side characters. For sure, for sure. And I really like that episode. It's just it's just a good solid episode where we're introduced to a good alien race that you know even in that one episode, if that was all we saw of them, I still think they would be a a, de- a well developed race that we could say, hey, this was just a really good episode. But then, of course, you know, the Cardassians go on to become one of the major players. And if you know me, you know I love Deep Space Nine, and that's where they became the major player. What? And so I'm really, I, so I really like the introduction of the Cardassians. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Even 30 years later, yeah, they're they're kind of a they're kind of a big deal in Deep Space Nine. They're kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yep. And there are a lot of really good episodes, a lot of really fantastic episodes with the Cardassians, and um, all. And, and and apart from like what you were talking about, like with with uh, the wounded, if, if I may, just as a slight aside, any episode where Miles must suffer is pretty good too. <laughs> like yeah, I the writers definitely like had a sadistic streak in them when it came to <laughs> O'Brien. <laughs> the one the one that breaks my heart in all seriousness, and I'm gonna totally blank on the name, so I'm gonna I'm coming to you for the assist. It's when he's in a prison of his own mind. Um where he's like Yeah. It, yeah. I think it's just called Hard Time. Is that what it is? I think it's called Hard God, Time. God, that one like just breaks my heart. And then like it's like, yeah, just deal with it. You'll be fine. Yeah. I've just spent 30 years in prison and I'm suffering PTSD, but yeah, just get over with it. It was all in your head. See, here's your problem. Just get over it. <laughs> I pointed at No, that's a good episode. That, that's a good episode. That's a very good episode. Well, I think that's And and if you wouldn't if you wouldn't mind. I do mind. I said two okay. I said two episodes. I said two episodes. Um the other episode I'm going to go back to the original series. I don't feel like we talk much about the original series on this podcast. We will. Um, we will. Is Balance of Terror. Great episode. Okay. Very, very good episode. Classic episode. Um, and I think it's like episode nine, right? So very early on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is the episode where we, we as an audience are introduced to the Romulans. And... Not only are we introduced to the Romulans, right? The the Federation has a history with the Romulans. They fought a war with them, but they also say that no one had ever seen a Romulan, right? Up until that point, they don't even know what they look like. They had fought a whole war and signed a treaty with with this the Romulan empires, Romulan Star Empire, but they didn't even ever see them face to face. Right. And so now you're seeing the Romulans face to face here, and the the actor, the the actor who plays the Romulan commander is Mark Leonard, who played would later go on to pl- would later go on to play Sarek, yeah. And we see that the Romulans essentially look exactly like Vulcans, and there's this whole idea that when we finally see what Vulcans or what Romulans look like, there's people look at Spock and they say, "Hey, what's going on here?" Like, those are Vulcans. And he's like, no, they're not. We, we share a common ancestry, but, but they're a different race. And you even still, in that, that episode, you see some, some bigotry, I guess, from some of the, the Starfleet personnel on the Enterprise. Absolutely. 
and and Star 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 Trek in general has tackled racial issues, right? Through from its very beginning. A lot. Sometimes it does it. Well, sometimes it does it well. Sometimes not so well. I'm looking at you, Code of Honor. <laughs> <laughs> And I think this is one of the times when I think it handles it handles it well. Yeah. And I oh, and I'm just that's also one of the things that I really enjoy about Star Trek. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and and even like the first interracial kiss that I'm aware of happened on Star Trek between Kirk and Uhura. Yes, the first interracial kiss on television. Yeah. Yes, it did. So a lot of history making awesomeness happening on Star Trek. So well. Uh, any any final thoughts um, as we start to, you know, end this first contact day celebration? Um, I don't think so. I mean, first contact is a really good movie. Um, I mean, most people would say it's either the best or the second best Star Trek movie. Um, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. Now's the day pretty, to watch it. Pretty. Now's the day to watch it. It's a pretty fantastic movie. It's, it's a brisk hour and 50 minutes it flies by it's got action in it it's definitely probably the most action of the, all the star trek movies it's got a little bit of everything in it yeah and it's got a little bit of everything and i think the two movies that you're alluding to would be wrath of khan and of course first contact yes i i wouldn't put either of those movies at number one on my list but that could be a conversation for another day yeah we'll have to do like a little ranking type of thing and discussion. Listen, listen, rankings can sometimes be arbitrary, but it is a fun um, thought experiment. Yeah, it'll be fun. And maybe we can get Lisa on and she can like referee since she's the movie podcast person. (laughs) (laughs) Ding, ding. (laughs) Round 10. All right, now finally, uh, I have um, a clip from my friend Katie um, as we kind of round out some of these fan fan conversations uh, regarding Star Trek and what it means to them. So, um, hope you enjoy this, and uh, there we go. All right, once again, I have another friend of mine, uh, my friend Katie, and um, Katie and I have known each other for gosh three, four years now, I think? Yes, sir. Thereabout, thereabouts. Uh, we met at a convention, I believe it was in Irving. Um, it was like February of like 2015-ish. That's right, yeah. And um, it was with your son, who was a lot younger then. It was indeed. Yeah, and um, it, was, it was over some Doctor Who stuff. That was pretty much how we we met and started nerding out over a bunch of different fandoms and stuff. And I'm really thankful for you, Katie. Um, you've been such, such a sweet individual. And, um, uh, at our, uh, at my daughter's uh, birthday party at the, the Fort Worth zoo, not too long ago, you bought me, um, something that I don't ever really get to see. And that's just like stuff with my name on it. Chase is such a weird name, apparently that it doesn't have like merch, but, um, uh, but thank you for, for having the, the, just being thoughtful enough to, to get that for me whenever I was kind of halfway joking about wanting it. <laughs> You're welcome, and especially when you do grow up not having, not being able to find the name stuff. You do, even as an adult, it's still a neat yeah, experience. For so, sure. Yeah, no, that kind of stuff needs to be cultivated and supported. 
for sure. I, I, I'll agree with that, yeah. Um, so uh, with that being said, um, I kind of want to shift gears just a little bit. I've been asking folks about, um, you know, what they like about Star Trek and, like, maybe how they first came about it. And um, without loading up too many questions like I've been doing, uh, also, you know, what they're, they're thankful for, what they're grateful for when it comes to Star Trek. So however you want to answer that, go for it. Okay, well... Um, I started liking and getting involved, I guess, with Star Trek as a little girl. My mother was a Trekkie and loved TOS. I was, I'm, I'm one of the older, your older friends, so it's before the days even of Next Generation existed. And um, I remember one night, my, my mother was very, my parents were very strict about bedtime, stuff like that, like, it's bedtime to go to bed and do this. There was going to be a Star Trek marathon on all night. And she and I camped out in the living room because why, you have to record it live, otherwise you get all the commercials. And my dad was especially one of those, like, you have to take the commercials out. So, But we stayed up all night watching this Star Trek marathon, and it was just the greatest time. A, because it was Star Trek, and I loved Star Trek. And B, it was this special moment because like one of the big rules was being broken because we had this love of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it's a special memory that I always, always remember. Nice. And uh, I I grew up watching the movies. I saw, I think, from two on in theaters. Um, and it's, it's aspirational. It's something that just kind of gives me sort of a hope for the future, something to see, especially in the chaos that is surrounding us today. And always, really, it feels like just okay, people can embrace the good, embrace the potential, and, and go toward that. It's, it's possible. Yeah. And it will ha- I have to believe it will happen eventually. Sure. And then you find like-minded people who are like, yes, I believe this too. And it just, it makes my heart happy. And I don't know. This group has been such a blessing. And so I'm really, really happy to have it. And it's because of Star Trek. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah. And um, for those that aren't local to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, or actually, scratch that, for those that are local to the Dallas-Fort Worth area and that are listening, um, we have a local group of just like-minded Star Trek uh, friends and fans, kind of like Katie was just talking about. And um, you'll, you'll t- you can probably tell how creative I am with the naming because, like, the, the in-show station for this podcast is called Lone Star Station, and the name of our group is Lone Star Fleet. So um, Lone Star Fleet, just because we're based in Dallas-Fort Worth, Texas, and it makes sense. So there's my creativity. I'm, I'm exposed. I'm naked right now. I'm not really naked, guys. I'm really not naked. I'm going to have to edit that one out. Um. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it does. It's, it's, it's a perfect name for a Texan group of Trekkies. It exactly. Is. Exactly. Because we're still like Texas. Yes. That's the first part. Yes. Then, oh, yes. And Starfleet. Yeah. Lone Star Fleet. Exactly. Starfleet. Lone Star. Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. It's a play on words, y'all. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> <laughs> but But seriously, anyone that does listen that's, you know, in Dallas, Fort Worth, or even like outside of Dallas Fort Worth that's like willing to you know come this way we try and do stuff um, you know 
semi-regularly or we're, we're trying to we're still a small group of folks doing stuff we've done some photo shoots um, in like our, our Starfleet uniforms we've done some dinners some meetups um, things like that um, yeah yeah it's it's a great group um, a lot of fun um, so don't know if it's really a spin-off but we'd love to have you um, so any any closing thoughts uh, words of encouragement or wisdom for folks as it comes to or as it relates to just Star Trek in general someone tell you, oh, just because I only like this part of Star Trek, you're not a real fan or anything. That's the beauty of Star Trek. It encompasses so much diversity and infinite combinations. But, um, sorry, it's been a while. I've since I've watched TOS as regularly. But um, that's, that's the beauty of it. It's just, if you have the love, share the love, embrace the love. There's so much hate in the world. Embrace love where you find it, especially yeah. in like groups or, or in a fandom or in something, something that, you know, brings you happiness. Yeah. Don't let anyone yuck your yum. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. I like that. So, you know, I know the, the folks listening can't see this right now, but right now Katie is sitting across from me and she's wearing a next gen, it looks like inspired like sweater dress or something with a Kelvin timeline Delta and I love I love it so much so what where'd you where'd you find this dress at I found this dress two years ago in a garage sale heck yeah yeah our church has a big one every year and it was in the boutique section it still had the tags on never been worn okay and when I saw it I thought Star Trek dress this is actually the first time I've ever worn it because I never had the occasion to okay. pull it out and, and do this and I'm like oh, we're having Trekskinning it's like going to be a Thanksgiving I just dress up a pet I can totally do this I can do my like <laughs> sort of low key cosplay and wear my sweater dress finally after two years so I was well it looks great I'm glad you wore it I'm glad you came and um, anyway um, again thank you so much for coming and sitting down with me um, as we as we talk about this stuff so Well, gang, I hope that you enjoyed the conversations that we had regarding um, Star Trek and what we appreciate about it, as well as um, just some some question-and-answer type stuff regarding first contact and how people celebrate and some favorite first contact moments. Now, we presently live in a time that is very, uh, it's very challenging uh, with, with what's going on around the globe. And there was um, some stuff that, that I came across that um, I'm hoping I can encourage you with as we, as we kind of navigate the time in which we're, we're living in. So with that, um, just, just bear in mind that uh, first contact as a movie, there's a lot of emotion that's going on in the movie. And in this in this movie, we're we're kind of looking back at like what happened six years ago. Jean-Luc Picard was assimilated by the Borg. 
There's a lot of a feeling. There's a lot of emotion. And even with what happens, like what's going to happen to our planet? What's going to happen to the people on it if the Borg succeed? What's going to happen with this force that's invading? There's just fear everywhere. There's tension. There's stress. And I think that kind of describes kind of where we're at right now as a society with what this COVID-19 thing is doing to us. So on this first contact day, let this movie be an injection of joy, of hope, of optimism to not let fear get the better of us. If one ship, okay, even if it is the Enterprise, if one ship can make a difference in dispelling fear, you as a person can do a great job in dispelling fear and injecting hope. So looking at an article, and by the way, I'd encourage you guys um, to check this out. It came out fairly recently um, from StarTrek.com. First Contact gives us a model for resisting fear in the form of Cochrane's partner, Lily. Beamed to the Enterprise sickbay to be treated by Dr. Crusher, Lily must not only make sense of technology 300 years in the future, but must also face alien races that she's never seen or imagined, and yet she still has the wherewithal to stay with Picard as the Borg overtake the Enterprise and to even rebuke his self-destructive pursuits. It's her bravery that keeps the story going forward. Something that Frakes, Jonathan Frakes, acknowledged with his direction of the climatic scene. After the Borg have been defeated and Cochrane's launch is success, Vulcans land at the launch site. On Riker's urging, Cochrane goes forward to greet the Vulcans. But before he does, Lily reaches out to take his hand. The camera lingers for a moment on the contact she made, on the intertwined hands of two different human races setting the stage for the cosmic event about to happen. The first contact day, none of us will meet a crew of alien time travelers, but we will be dealing with coronavirus. Lily reminds us to be brave during the pandemic. Instead of reverting to our old ways, we can do the hard thing and stay at home as much as possible. Instead of hoarding supplies, we can refuse to participate in factionalism and leave goods for others. At the very least, we can respond to differences by refusing fear and rejecting racism wherever we see it. There's no need to wait until 2063 to usher in a new era of human progress. We can do it in 2020 if we only remember the lesson of first contact, that difference makes us better, and that assimilation is destruction. Let's use this first contact day to overcome our pandemic fears and improve our world now. With that, guys, thank you so much for listening to this special episode of These Are the Voyages. I'm so happy to have you guys aboard this station. So happy to have you all as listeners. And uh, remember that you can get in contact with us, that you're not alone. That you can interact with us on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can follow the page, like the group. And uh, in that group is, is the community that we're building, that we're trying to build. So I hope this has brightened your day. Even if these last few minutes have kind of been a reminder of what's out there, hopefully that this has been some escapism, but also it's provided a spot of some hope and optimism as well. So remember, you're not alone. Make sure you open up hailing frequencies if you want to get in contact with us by entering in coordinates trtvpod at gmail.com. You can also enter in coordinates for a voice-only transmission to 817-752-4757. Remember, there's a three-minute time limit, and your comments may be used on a future episode. Finally, if you'd like to send us something direct without, you know, entering in those other coordinates, you can make sure 
that mail or something like that can get to us using some Starfleet, you know, communication subspace buoys to get to the Lone Star Station by entering coordinates P.O. Box 2455, Azel, Texas 76098. Guys, thank you for listening, and happy First Contact Day. Remember, be bold to go, and make it so.